Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Dr. Philip Armstrong. He is director of the Mosquito Monitoring Program at the Connecticut Agricultural Experiment Station in New Haven. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, you are one of the co-authors of a new study on mosquitoes in Connecticut, and essentially you found that there are more of them and they are more diverse. Tell us exactly what your data found and what you looked at to, to come to your conclusions. Yeah, so our group has been trapping and testing mosquitoes for more than 20 years in the state of Connecticut. We have a network of trapping sites all over the state in, uh, we're up to 87 uh, municipalities and we um, collect mosquitoes and identify all of them and test them for viral infection. This is, helps us just monitor things like West Nile virus and Triple E virus in the state. But it also provides us with a very rich data set uh, to analyze, to look at what is just the status of mosquitoes in the state? How are they doing? Um, how are they, um, how, you know, what are they, how are they doing in terms of abundance, diversity, um, distribution over time? And when we looked at that data and we analyzed it, um, there are a couple sort of major conclusions that came out of that study. If we look at the data over the last 20 years, mosquitoes are more abundant than they were 20 years ago. So they are increasing. They've increased by 60% over that 20 year period. And we're also seeing that they're becoming more diverse. So we're not losing species, we're only gaining species over time. And uh, many of the new arrivals and the new species that are coming here and are growing are coming, um, they're appearing in the southern part of the state. And um, that, um, and they also have distributions that are normally found further to the south of Connecticut. So that is certainly um, consistent with the expectations of climate change. So um, unfortunately, um, all I have is kind of bad news on the mosquito uh, front, but they are becoming more abundant and diverse over time. How many different species of mosquitoes call Connecticut home now? Yeah, so we are up to 54 different mosquito species have been recorded in the state. Um, 
So they're very diverse. Uh, you know, most people um, figure there's just one or two species. They're, they're all kind of annoying. But really, uh, to people like me who study these organisms, uh, we really care about what mosquitoes we're looking at. And so we identify them by looking under a microscope. And there are um, very sort of subtle features that we look for um, that allow us to identify them to the species level. And we've identified 54 different species in the state. Um, and um, they're very diverse in terms of uh, their habitats, where they're found, their behaviors are very different. What uh, some mosquitoes just feed on birds, some feed on mammals, some feed on amphibians. So they all are have very different um, uh, behaviors and natural histories. Now, 54 in the state, that is up from what when you started monitoring with the, uh, the broader number of stations 20 years ago? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it was, so when we first started out, it was at, so since, let me just give you, so since 2005, there's been um, five new species introductions into the state. Um, and over the last 20 years, there've been um, another uh, seven new mosquito species. So it is increasing over time. General question, are mosquitoes good for anything? Do they serve any good purpose or are they just pests? Well, I mean, from our perspective, they're just pests and they're, they're pretty much, they're not just pests, they can also serve as disease vectors. They can transmit pathogens that can cause human disease as well. So they are uh, health issues as well, and, and as well as being an, an annoyance. Um, but what good are they? Well, they are part of um, our environment, part of uh, uh, the overall uh, ecosystem, and they are um, for a number of predators, uh, uh, for um, for fish that uh, depend on them, um, they are an important food source for many organisms. So, um, you know, even though from our perspective, they're annoying and, and kind of in the way, they do have uh, an important um, ecological function in, in the um, broader scheme of things. And what allowed you to do this study is really the increased number of testing locations that were added 20 or so years ago after West Nile appeared in Connecticut and a bunch of birds started dropping dead, right? Yeah, that's correct. So the mosquito monitoring program started back in 1996, actually, to monitor for triple E virus, Eastern Equine Encephalitis virus. And then West Nile virus hit, it was introduced into the New York City area in 1999. So in 2000, we really expanded our program and increased the number of monitoring sites, which gives us a much better coverage uh, throughout the state. And so it was really that data that uh, was critical for the study and to really assess what is happening with the um, mosquito population overall over time. When you think about mosquitoes, Probably the, the average person thinks, oh, they, they are attracted to, to water and you're going to find more of them 
in moist areas. Is that the case for all of these 54 different species? So generally with mosquitoes, um, when we think of mosquitoes, we're, the, 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 uh, we're basically, it's the adults that we encounter out, outside all the time. They're the ones that are feeding on us. And it's, it's actually the female mosquitoes that require blood for reproduction. So it's the adult stage of the mosquito is the one we find on us. But uh, most of its um, life cycle, for most of its uh, stages of development, it's found in water. So the larvae and the pupae and the eggs of the mosquito are developed in water. And they generally exploit newly created bodies of water for development. So the whole essence of being a mosquito is to find uh, a temporary body of water where there are no predators, where, and where it can rapidly complete its development and emerge as an adult to um, uh, find a, a blood meal. So um, for that reason, where we find the mosquitoes really depends on the um, aquatic uh, habitat where it, it, uh, it um, completes its development. So most mosquitoes, there are some mosquitoes that are, you typically find around salt marshes or in coastal areas of the state um, because the larvae develop in that saline water that's found in salt marshes. There are other mosquitoes that develop in um, very temporary bodies of water that are water that you collect in containers around the home uh, in a um, a clogged um, um, rain gutter or in the storm uh, gutters that you see on the side of the road that can collect water. So some mosquitoes specialize in those kinds of places. And other mosquitoes are found more in woodland areas around swamps or in temporary um, floodwater uh, bodies of uh, floodwater. So, like I said, there are 54 different mosquito species, and they all are very um, have specialized to um, develop in very uh, specific uh, kinds of environments like that. You talked about the impact of, of climate change and how more species of mosquitoes are moving in as a result, and we're seeing a greater population of mosquitoes, but what role does land use play in all of this? Yeah, so a lot of the mosquitoes exploit sort of disturbed environments. Um, so, you know, it's creating, um, if there's a proliferation of trash, or uh, containers, so like the plastic containers that are more you know, um, prevalent now and part of sort of modern society that um, if those are discarded in the environment and they can um, collect rainwater, those serve as great um, habitats for mosquitoes to exploit, to develop and to increase. And so, um, mosquitoes very often, and some of the most important mosquito species that transmit diseases actually are very much a byproduct of, of human disturbance. They like those um, kinds of environments that we create, at, uh, you know, in the environment. So, um, you know, so certainly uh, any uh, changes to the landscape that can create um 
those temporary bodies of water for mosquito breeding um, will um, uh, favor them, favor their numbers. You found a 60% increase in the mosquito population in Connecticut over the 20 years of the study. Was there a, a similar increase in disease activity like Tripoli and, and West Nile, which is carried by mosquitoes? Yeah, so not necessarily. Uh, what we find when we look at virus transmission, uh, so like West Nile virus or Tripoli virus, those viruses fluctuate quite a bit from year to year. And a lot of that depends on, on the annual sort of weather patterns that year. Um, um, but the mosquitoes that transmit those viruses, there's really just a couple mosquito species that are important um, carriers of West Nile virus and Tripoli virus. And those particular mosquito species have been pretty stable over time. So they don't seem to be their overall numbers aren't increasing over time. We see more sort of a lot of fluctuation from year to year, but there's no um, overall upward trend uh, in those mosquito species. So the, if there's some good news to come out of this study, it's that the, the most important disease vectors, the, the mosquitoes that transmit those viruses, they seem to be pretty stable and they're not necessarily increasing like we see with some of these other mosquito species. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Dr. Philip Armstrong. He is director of the Mosquito Monitoring Program at the Connecticut Agricultural Experiment Station in New Haven. Are, are there other viruses and diseases that we don't hear as much about? I know Tripoli and West Nile are always in the headlines. Are there, there are other viruses too carried by mosquitoes that can affect humans? For sure, there are a couple other ones we have in the state. Uh, they rarely cause disease, but they are human pathogens. Uh, so one virus in particular, it's called Jamestown Canyon virus, and it's transmitted by mosquitoes. It's maintained in a deer mosquito transmission cycle. And so the mosquitoes get infected by feeding on a, on a deer that um, is um, infected with a virus and then can go on and transmit it to a person if they feed on, on a person. And, and we've had a couple human cases of Jamestown Canyon virus in the state. Um, one was, uh, gosh, uh, a couple of years ago, um, but it's, 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 very, it's a rare disease um, and something that um, um, you know, we um, typically don't see. Another virus is called lacrosse virus, uh, which is um, maintained in mosquitoes. And uh, um, we've detected the virus here, but we've never had any human cases of lacrosse virus in the state, but it does occur in other neighboring states. So those are two viruses that come to mind. Um, but really the main uh, virus, viral diseases of concern in Connecticut are West Nile virus, and uh, Eastern equine encephalitis virus, or AAA virus. Now, you had a busy year last year with AAA in particular. How is 2020 panning out? Yeah, so uh, back in uh, 2019, it was a um, uh, really a, a, a record year. Uh, we had a, a number of human cases in the state. There were three fatalities due to AAA virus. And this was part of a region-wide increase in the northeastern U.S. So we 
had a very um, you know large outbreak of triple E virus, not just affecting Connecticut, but Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New Jersey. And so the concern was that it could would reappear and, and reemerge as a, as a problem this coming year in 2020. Well, we actually got pretty lucky this year in that there was a real drought, an extended drought this summer, which really um, had the effect of decreasing the mosquito numbers and particularly the mosquitoes that transmit Tripoli virus. So we did detect Tripoli virus in a couple towns in Eastern Connecticut in mosquitoes, but we were really fortunate. We didn't have any human cases. There were no horse cases in Connecticut. Um, Massachusetts had uh, a number of, of human cases uh, this year, but uh, the numbers were, were much lower than, than last year. So uh, we definitely dodged a bullet with triple E virus this year. Um, and um, certainly with West Nile virus, uh, the other virus of concern, we did have um, seven human cases in the state of, of West Nile virus infection. Um, those were mainly in the um, western, southwestern part of the state, in, in Fairfield County and up into the uh, New Haven and Hartford area. Um, so West Nile virus is something we see every year. And uh, it was uh, more sort of in line with what we've seen during previous years for, for that virus. What happens in the cold weather months with mosquitoes? Do they die off or go dormant? Yeah, that's a good question. So all the mosquitoes, most of the species that we have here in Connecticut are adapted to our climate and they have various strategies for uh, surviving the winter. And so they do all go kind of dormant and some mosquito species overwinter in the egg stage. So they'll, um, you know, uh, they'll, they'll basically, uh, they'll, they'll be dormant as, as eggs and will reemerge uh, the following spring with um, uh, spring rains. Other species will overwinter as larvae. Uh, so they'll um, be under the uh, sheets of ice in, um, in, in those uh, uh, aquatic habitats. And then other mosquito species overwinter as adults. So the mosquitoes that transmit, say, West Nile virus, they overwinter as adults and they tend to shelter in uh, protected environments, in, um, in underground um, um, structures, like in storm drains, um, and can survive the winter that way. So they're still there. Yeah, they're still there. They're just not um, active. Um, so they're, they're basically programmed to undergo a, essentially like hibernation. And um, there, there's, they will hang out until the conditions improve again. So right now we're in a. Uh, luckily, uh, we're get we being in a in a cold climate gives us a little bit of a break for um, for several months uh, from the um, from their from their bites. With that said, say if, if there are a couple days, say in January, where it, it gets warm enough, would a mosquito possibly reemerge? 
Yeah, so that can happen. And it's the only the species that overwinter as adults. Um, so there are a few species that will overwinter as adults. And if there's a temporary um, sort of a warming period uh, for several days, they may, they may come out and, and bite you and find you and bite you. Um, so yes, that can happen. What advice do you have for, for people in, in fighting mosquito bites? I'm thinking mitigating things around the yard that, that might attract mosquitoes and, and also the best repellent to use. Yeah. So, I mean, the first real line of protection is just uh, preventing their bites. And, and that can involve uh, a lot of the prevention sort of measures you can take are are pretty straightforward, um, uh, limiting your exposure outside when they're most active, which is really uh, at dusk and dawn in the evening hours, and also in the daytime hours in more shaded areas. Those are the, the places where you'll find them most um, commonly. Um, also wearing a, 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 an insect repellent, um, there are a number of repellents out there that are approved by the EPA and safe and effective, uh, provided that you apply them according to directions. So uh, certainly wearing an insect repellent when they're out um, biting is, is uh, a good measure. And then simply covering up, wearing long sleeve shirts, uh, pants, uh, shoes and socks. Um, any clothing material should be um, tightly woven. And that will really reduce your bites as well. Um, but short of that, um, you're really looking at the other thing you can do around the home is try to um, clean up the environment and, and eliminate those breeding sites. So wherever you see standing water, um, you know, those could serve as sources of mosquitoes. Um, so primarily, you know, water that collects in planters. Uh, in uh, bird baths, um, if you have a clogged rain gutter, that will also be an important source of mosquitoes. So you just want to drain that water. And if it's a bird bath, you want to at least replace the water once a week to interrupt the uh, developmental cycle of the mosquito. So all of those things will really um, go a long way to reducing their overall numbers in your immediate environment. Um, so that's certainly a, another, um, thing that you can do around the home. If you get bitten by a mosquito, will it always leave a welt? Yeah. I mean, I think some people are more reactive to their bites, but what you're really reacting to is the saliva of the mosquito. So when the mosquito bites you, um, she has these modified mouth parts that she pokes into your skin. And all the time she's looking for a blood vessel to, um, to, to basically, um, she's trying to find the blood vessel. And, and when she's doing this, she's, she's excreting saliva. And the saliva has an anesthetic, so you don't feel the mosquito as much. Um, and it helps her find the, locate the blood vessel. And so that saliva is what you're reacting to. And everybody, I think, some degree reacts to the mosquito bites, but some people definitely have much more of a, a powerful um, um, 
you know, allergic response to the bite and can develop really large welts. Um, but the, the thing with mosquito bites, the most important thing to do, which I know is hard to do, is try not to scratch the bite. Um, try to leave it alone. And you can apply like some ice on the, um, on the bite. And that will help relieve the itchiness. But the scratching it, vigorously scratching it can really uh, make things worse and, and kind of uh, uh, make the... Um, the bite more irritating over time. He is Dr. Philip Armstrong, director of the Mosquito Monitoring Program at the Connecticut Agricultural Experiment Station in New Haven. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.